Good morning. Welcome to Element 3 Church. I'm Pastor Scott. I'm pastor here and just excited to have Sam preach in a moment. I'm just here to set his notes up and make sure he's set. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and honestly, this is all y'all's fault because some of you think that church starts at 1032 and you come in late and you don't hear Chris's awesome announcements. I'm shaming all of you for coming in late. And I'll honestly, let's give you a couple heads up. We are having Christmas Eve here, December 24th, in case you're confused on the day. The time is 4 and 6 p.m. There are little cards out in the lobby. We'd love to invite you and invite others as well. We are also going to have this awesome worship service next week called the, the, the Chill. And the morning, we're having E3 Kids Lead Worship. So come next week as we have the kids lead worship and continue to usher in this season. A couple other really quick just admin things. After service, in case you didn't catch it from Chris, we're doing Second Story Goods just down the boardwalk. We'd love to see you there. And these flowers in front of us are just gorgeous from the wedding yesterday of Mr. Gene and Linda. So congratulations for them. Wanted to highlight them getting married here. Now, this fine gentleman next to me, Sam, is going to talk to us about peace and set up an awesome sermon. Will you just welcome him and say thanks for preaching this morning with a round of applause? Wow, thanks, buddy. Thanks, everybody. Can you guys hear me okay? No. Can you hear me now? A little bit? More? Oh, what? Now you can hear me. Hey, good morning. I'm Sam. Welcome to E3. Happy Advent season. I'm uh, always honored to be able to talk with you guys. I don't take that lightly. I thank the staff for the chance to do that, blow up things, and then leave for them to handle everything after I say whatever it is that I'm going to say, which uh, they, they're very kind in allowing me to be a part of, of this teaching team here, and I'm grateful for that. So welcome to one of the busiest seasons, busiest times of the year, right? Also one of the most stressful times of the year, or it, it can be. Uh, when I was younger, uh, I just, I didn't like Christmas. I was just really didn't like it at all. Didn't really have a good reason. I was just kind of a grump about it. I just didn't, didn't like it. Wow. There's, there's really, there was no other reason uh, than um, what my therapist termed, let me see what the technical term here is, a grumpy grumperson McGrumpty grump face. Never? Now you know. But as I've gotten older, I actually really enjoy the holiday season. I, I love the, the weather when it doesn't feel like it feels outside, when it gets colder. I love the lights and decorations. I even, for the very first time this year, played Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You of my own volition. The kids stopped, they looked, and they said, what is wrong with Dad? What has happened to this man? We want some new. Uh, they asked me if I was feeling all right. But a lot of my angst about Christmas growing up had to do with just being out of control. We find ourselves in situations where we're just not in, in control in the Christmas season. And I picked this picture because this is what you can find on, um, you know, Getty Images for a Christmas decoration. And we all know that this is nothing like true family events. <laughs> So I put it up there to remind you of what they tell us it should be. But then I was always assaulted with these questions coming into these events. Like, am I going to be forced to eat Aunt So-and-So's green bean casserole? You know I hate that stuff. Which cousin is going to say something stupid? And can I keep my mouth shut after they say it? Uh, when the kids were younger, I used to worry about which kid was going to redecorate their outfit with bodily functions. 
during the middle of whatever event we were going to be at and how I was going to handle that. And is nephew so-and-so going to show up three hours late and make everyone wait to eat because I was hungry uh, and uh, things like that? Or is that in-law going to ask me how school's going when I graduated six years ago? You know that, <laughs> you know that person? They're all there. And I figured if I can get my act together, why can't anybody else get their act together? That's the way I approached it anyway. Um, and uh, more importantly, naturally, I am an introvert by nature. I relish every second that I'm alone. I love you people, but I don't, I don't want to be lonely. I just want to be alone, as they say. And uh, you may not know that watching me up here, but this is a trained exercise of public speaking. It has nothing to do with extroversion or introversion. So there's nothing worse than walking into a room full of forced conversation for three hours, four hours, however long it may be, and just dying to get out of that room. All the introverts can say, amen. Uh, It can be rough. So uh, holidays are worse because of the emotional reservoir that you may store up to do this can get sucked up by uh, the, the baking and cooking going wrong or being late to an event or having to get everybody in the car. And so when you get there, get there, you're already emotionally depleted with that short fuse that you swore that you would have uh, before you got there and it's gone. So you do the best you could do and you're consumed with dread of what may lie ahead. Now, the majority of those worries never come to fruition. We worry about a lot of things that really don't matter or simply just don't ever happen at all. But we worry about those things. And over time, I've learned to take a big old fat chill pill about all that stuff. I started worrying less about green bean casserole and more about enjoying the moment for what it was. And today we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about peace. We're going to talk about peace. One of the most beautiful words in the world, also one of the most elusive states of human existence in the world. And we have trouble defining peace and trouble maintaining peace in our lives a lot of time. So those are the two things we're going to talk about, how Jesus defined peace and how peace plays a role in our lives today. So let's go back to our scripture for today, John 14, 27. And Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So let's do a little bit of a deep dive here. Sometimes we read the Bible, but we don't really really read it. We don't take it apart. We don't dissect it a little bit. So let's do that right here. Whose peace are we talking about here? Jesus says, my peace. And then is it something that we create, that we manufacture? How do we receive it? It's given. It's given to us. So it's God's peace. It's given to us as a gift. It's not our peace that we manufacture. That's important. That's important to know that. In other words, it's not something we can manufacture through self-discipline. It's a gift. We can manufacture other things in our lives. We can have quiet. We can be calm. We can be in solitude or alone. But what those things do is decrease the points of stimulation so there's less to react to. But that's not necessarily peace. It's just giving you something less to react to. All good things, but that's not the gift of peace that Jesus is talking about here. Peace is also not being happy. People talk about that. 
sometimes are feeling good about where you may be in your life. Well, I'm at peace because I have everything I need. That's not necessarily what we're talking about. Happy is one of the most dangerous, uh, complicated words in the English language from a position of living it. It's, 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 it's a dangerously misleading word. Happiness literally comes from the word happenings in what's going on around us. Happeningness is what it is. It's an old British word, and I'm sure somewhere along the line, someone was talking about some guy that was happy one day and down, and uh, an old British person was like, oh, there goes being happy again, you know, short for happiness, you know, or ha- being happy, happy about whatever's going on. So happeningness. In other words, our mood rises and falls with the happenings, the circumstances around us. I'm up, then I'm down. I'm emotionally uh, whiplashed by these circumstances that I find myself in on a daily basis. And if you don't have enough circumstances around you to react to, all you have to do is turn on the news to be manipulated by their particular set of circumstances they would like to share with you and tell you how you should respond to those things. A lot of places to determine how circumstances ebb and flow in your life. So what is Jesus's definition of peace? Well, it comes from an old Hebrew word called shalom. Most people have heard that word. It's a Jewish term. People have heard it even in our modern society. It's still used quite often. But the word shalom has a deeper meaning than just peace, just the word peace. We're going to explore that for a minute. It actually means an inner sense of wholeness and completeness. Other synonyms are peace or harmony or prosperity, or wellness, well-being, tranquility. These are all words that kind of encapsulate that idea of well-being, of wholeness, of completeness. The message version of the Bible gets this part spot on. It says, uh, I'm leaving you well and whole. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you, peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned, feeling bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught, well and whole. So what does that mean? Well, maybe it's easier to say what peace is not, what shalom is not. What's the opposite of wholeness? What's the opposite of completeness? Well, how about broken or crushed or overwhelmed? Weak, sickly, out of balance. Those are words that are the opposite of what shalom is, what peace is. Have you ever felt that way? I I have a lot. Have you ever felt that way during the holidays? Boy, I sure have. I was having a Christmas several years ago. My children were not with me for Christmas. I had not met my beautiful wife-to-be, Amber, yet. I woke up on Christmas alone. Now, I told you I was an introvert, which means I like being alone. Normally, I like the quiet. But as I woke up that morning, I didn't like that quiet at all because it had been forced on me. I hadn't created that sense of quiet. I got up. I made my way to my parents' house up in Thomasville for lunch that day, and it was, it was a quiet lunch. It was just me and them. We ate leftovers and some other things, watched some football, and then I went home. I thought about staying, but I was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. And once I got home, I had a call from a friend, wanted to know if I wanted to hang out that evening. He knew I was alone. And I was like, no, I, I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to stay 
by myself. And for some reason, I felt like it was important to be by myself and kind of stare that loneliness in the face that evening. That's what I did. I remained alone on Christmas by myself. And I prayed that God would do some work in my heart of facing my own brokenness and my own fear of being alone in that moment. And you know what? In the midst of that loneliness, God reminded me that I wasn't alone at all, that I was whole, that I was complete, that I was safe. Because of my relationship with him, I was complete, regardless of the happenings that may have been going on around me. In that moment, I experienced God's gift of peace to me. Not something I could manufacture. I didn't have the ability to overcome how I felt. But I did have the ability to receive what God was able to give me. The peace of God is the opposite of feeling abandoned. It's being constantly reminded that we are whole and complete, not broken or incomplete. That we are enough just as we are. That's a good reminder. Because Advent is about the arrival of God in Jesus. And we did not do anything to make Jesus show up and declare his love for us. You didn't know he was coming, right? In fact, he caught everybody by surprise. That's part of the fun of the Advent story. Religion makes us feel like we need to be something particular or do something particular to get God's attention, to turn God's head to us. The gospel and the relationship that Jesus talks about teaches us that we already have God's attention, just as we are. We don't have to do anything to get the attention of God, the loving gaze of God. Sometimes when I'm watching TV or something with Amber, I'll just watch her and be thankful <laughs> that she's in my that she's my wife. And eventually she'll see me out of the corner of her eye watching her. And she'll say, what? (laughs) Weirdo, what are you doing over there on the other side of the couch? And I'll say, nothing, I just like you. And I'll smile at her. Sometimes she'll say, oh, that's so sweet. Or she'll go, oh, that's sweet. It's kind of the way she does it. Other times she'll say, okay, can we get back to what we're doing? You're, You're freaking me out. So it depends, you know. A little, little creeper action right there, but you know, whatever. Uh, and you, all of us, already have God's attention. Just where you are, as you, as you are, like you are. And think, whether it's the holidays or not, whether you're surrounded by people or not, whether things are going well in your life, you're the object of God's affection. Everywhere you turn, God is smiling at you. Everywhere you turn, God is smiling at you. And if you ask him, hey, God, why are you looking at me like that? He'd say, nothing really, I just like you, right? God loves you, but more importantly, sometimes what we need to hear is that God likes you, right? There's a difference, there's a difference. So how do we accept the peace of God in our lives? Well, here's the bottom line, okay? The peace of God is a gift that we receive as we align our life with the realities of living the Christian life to the fullest, kind of like Lori was talking about, about the presence of God, seeking that presence and allowing it to transform us. 
It's in that process of relationship and growth that we feel whole, that we feel complete. Not at the end, but in the process you can feel that way. That's part of the gift of God is that wholeness and that completeness. Now, that process is part spiritual and it's part practical. So let's look at the spiritual first. So spiritually, we literally pray and ask for the peace of God to fill our lives and fill our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And we ask for that every day, every morning, every evening, throughout the day. That should be part of our routine of praying, God, fill me with your peace right now. There are two parts to that. The first part is knowing I don't have the ability to manufacture the peace needed for this moment. And then the second part is knowing that God does and the Holy Spirit can fill me with that peace. We ask the Holy Spirit to flood our heart with the peace of God. And we can do that confidently because peace is a part of Advent. It's part of what we're celebrating right now. The gift of Jesus brings the gift of peace. That's who he is. He's the Prince of Peace. That's what he does. We pray that for ourselves pray that for our family. We pray for peace for all those people at those Christmas events that may not normally walk and live in a sense of peace. We pray that for them, not for our own sake, because we want the best for them as well. That's the spiritual part. So as we continue to allow God's peace to fill our hearts, we begin over time to have that sense of wholeness, to have that sense of purpose, completeness, prosperity, wellness. We have Less feelings of crushing loneliness and weakness and being out of control. Now, here's the thing. It's not because you're any more in control than you were before. God removes that anxiety that causes us to want to be a controlling person. We're focused on allowing the wholeness of God, the shalom of God, to become the lens through which we view the world. And I'll say this to you guys on occasion because uh, it's important to remind, because we live in such a concrete world and uh, such a self-help world, that if that sounds ethereal and spiritual and otherworldly and mystical, it's because it is. God is spiritual. He is otherworldly. It is mystical. It's not supposed to, you're, you're not, Jesus is not teaching a self-help class. You don't have the ability to help yourself. You don't need self-esteem. You need God-esteem. He's teaching you, rather than how to become whole in yourself, he's teaching you to become intertwined in relationship with him so the missing parts, the incomplete parts of you, become whole in him. It's relational. It's relational. So as this process begins and your mind and your heart begins to align spiritually with what God wants for wholeness and completeness in your life, then things turn practical for us. We then have to walk that out in a specific way. So let's talk about the practical side of that now that we've talked about the spiritual side. So again, now I'm not talking about making things quiet or removing conflict. That's never going to happen in anyone's life ever. <laughs> it just doesn't happen, okay? Uh, it just doesn't. Um, unless you move to Antarctica, and then you're probably going to run into some people there. I don't know. So whatever works for you, but it's just not going to happen in a real-world life situation. 
So we're not talking about solitude or a calmness or stress-free measures that you might find in a self-help book. We're talking about the gift of spiritual peace. There's a great verse that my parents taught me growing up uh, that's in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. And it says, seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. And it's an echo back to an, an old um, psalm. So Peter reminds all the church that part of practical living is to seek peace and pursue it. Once again, if you're really reading it, you have to seek peace, you have to pursue it, right? You have to find out where it is, and then once you find it, you have to run after it. You have to intentionally live your life in a way to go get it. The message version, I like it even better, uh, says, run after peace, run after shalom, after wholeness for all your worth. So there's a proactive element to this. Once we figure out what we're after, once we have felt that, then it becomes our desire to construct our life in such a way to feel that again, which is the presence and the peace of God. That's how that works. Run after peace for, for all your worth. So we have a practical part in this peace thing too. As our mindset towards peace changes, we begin to look for peace in our personal lives. We then, once we found it, make that transition to aggressively aligning our whole world with the wholeness and the completion that we feel in our hearts due to the spiritual transformation that's happening. Does that make sense? So you feel it, and then you actively pursue it. It's a horrible uh, analogy, but it's like once you get the hit, <laughs> you want, you ultimately want some more, which is that experience of relational union with God. And you begin to align your life with that. It means we look at the world differently too. We take that same lens of peace that God has given us and we turn that lens on our life. We turn that lens on our relationships. We turn our lens on that family decisions. Which answer is going to create peace in our hearts? Which, which decision is going to create the presence of God in our home? Which decision is going to teach my family how peace feels in a safe, warm, loving environment? That's what we begin to do. That doesn't always look calm or collected or orderly. Sometimes it means you stand up for yourself and you do something that causes problems for other people because you're creating safety for you and for your family and for God to invest in the home that you've created, for example. But it does mean that we look at the world as, a way, as the way a peaceful God looks at the world, not as a place to give up on, but as a potential world of wholeness, a potential world of harmony, of goodness and grace, a potential world of possibilities where unbrokenness can turn into uh, brokenness can turn into unbrokenness and wholeness. It means aligning our decisions as individuals and families and as a community with what brings wholeness and then being intentional about not losing sight of that goal. It means rooting out abandonment, brokenness, weakness, and shame with harmony and wholeness and completeness and prosperity and wellness and balance with shalom. 
That happens gradually over time with intention as we put our minds and our efforts toward creating that for everything around us. Advent focuses on what's right with the world, and that's shalom. That's what's right. That's the good thing. If God focuses on what's right with the world and sees it through his loving gaze, then we turn, in turn, focus on what's right with us living in the world and how we live differently from the broken, how we live differently from the abandoned. We don't have to convince others to live a peaceful life. That's already what people want. We all know that, right? We know that. We don't have to convince others of living a life of shalom. All we have to do is allow that union with God to occur, make it a priority in our life, and then model a real and authentic transformation because that's the way we want to live. And it just flows out of who we are, and people see it, and it's attractive to them. That's the way we've chosen to live, and then people want to know how the gift of shalom can be theirs. Maybe that's a coworker. Maybe it's a distant family relative. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a child. The idea of peace, of shalom, it's captivating. It's beautiful because it's a beautiful part of God and because it creates longing in us because we know that's what we need. So know that we know that's what we want. The key is to see it, to seek it, and then to chase the glimpses of it that you see around you and latch on to those moments. May the shalom of God revealed in Jesus find a place in our hearts this Christmas season. And may we desire it, may we long for it, and may we seek it for all we're worth. Amen? Amen. Amen.